Good afternoon, everybody. Um, first of all, of course, I want to express my thanks for the organizers of this uh, meeting, um, uh, the directors of uh, CARTA and uh, Jean-Pierre Changeux for inviting me here. It's always a great pleasure for me to, to come in San Diego. Um, I feel a little bit uh, unfavorized uh, after the previous speakers and the one uh, who is going to uh, follow me because, uh, as you'll see, there is very little evidence of Neanderthal art. Um, but the nice thing about uh, little evidence in uh, paleoanthropology and archaeology is that when there is little evidence, there is a lot of literature. And I think I've been able to put together something about Neanderthal art. Uh, it's a bit difficult uh, for me to speak in general about art. And I think in the course of my speech, I'll try to tackle some of the issues that has been already evoked by other speakers, like aesthetics, uh, symmetry, and uh, symbolism. And maybe this is the kind of issues we can discuss about uh, Neanderthals. Um, so just before I, I, I start with the production of the Neanderthals, I want to say a few words about what are the Neanderthals. And actually, this is where probably I would be more expert as I'm a paleontologist. I'm used to work with uh, fossils like this one. Uh, if we look at the uh, phylogenetic tree of human evolution during the last two million years, we see that we have several species and in the course of the last half million years, the main story is the separation of two lineages. Uh, one African lineage, which is going to lead to uh, the, our direct ancestors, the, the modern humans, and another lineage, which is um, uh, parallel to this one, which emerged in Eurasia and which, which gave birth to the Neanderthals. The Neanderthals are extremely interesting in, uh, from an evolutionary point of view because they share many features with us. They are uh, large hominins with a big brain. Uh, they have many aspects of their biology which is close to us, but they are different. And um, they are the last uh, uh, split point on the, on the evolutionary tree of humans. And this, I think, is what makes them so interesting because anything we say about the Neanderthals Somehow it's something we, th we say to define ourselves. Um, the Neanderthals, as I said, evolved in Eurasia, and this is more or less their geographical distribution. We know no Neanderthal in, uh, in Africa. Uh, Neanderthals, I mean, the Neanderthal lineage is known somewhere between 400,000 and 30,000, and we find them associated with uh, lithic assemblages that we call Acheulean, so these uh, um, lithic assemblages with, where we find these nice hand axes like the one uh, Jean-Pierre Changeux showed uh, a while ago. But most of the Neanderthals are associated with what, with what we call Middle Paleolithic or Mousterian industries. I'm not going to enter this um, aspect. There are a lot of fantasies about Neanderthals. And this is almost inevitable because, as I said, Neanderthals are our sister group. And um, it's very difficult to be objective about our um, sister group. So as you see here, there are many ways to see the Neanderthals. 
In past, uh, there was a way that was a bit uh, brutish, uh, like this one. But today, I must say, there is an opposite trend developing, which is to humanize the Neanderthals as much as possible, uh, which I think it's as much ex exaggerated as the previous one. Um, for some of my colleagues, I'm afraid Neanderthals are just sort of uh, funny Eskimos who lived 60,000 years ago, and so they had <laughs> bad luck because there was no computers and no uh, internet. But if they would have, uh, they would be here. They would probably give the talk uh, <laughs> about art. I, I think one of the main difficulty is that we we have really a problem in conceiving uh, humans that would not be completely humans. And of course, we know that in the last uh, six or seven million years, there was probably something like 15 or 17 different species of hominins. And these different species of hominins are at all some pieces of humankind, but none of them were, were like us. And this is the whole challenge of paleoanthropology. This is a slide for Kevin, the, the student that, that uh, uh, was waiting for me here in San Diego. Um, this is, is, is also something to continue on the mode of the fantasies about Neanderthals. Uh, it's, a, it's a bone with two holes that has been described in the literature as a flute. A flute. And, uh, and so uh, people have described this object like the uh, demonstration for the production of music by Neanderthals. Uh, Later, uh, it was proved that it's a, a juvenile a femur of bear with two holes which have been likely met by the teeth of another bear. And, uh, <laughs> but the fact is that it's possible to, produ to produce some kind of music with that, and there are people who have been uh, really good at, at, uh, at, at doing that. But I also heard people playing symphonies with a bottle of Coca-Cola, and so I'm not very impressed by this kind of uh, demonstration. <laughs> so now if we look really at, the, at the, the archaeological record, as I said, we have very uh, little to chew about Neanderthal art. What we mostly have is objects like these ones, uh, pieces of bones we are with uh, incisions, nothing like... Uh, um, uh, realistic uh, picture of anything. And of course, the whole discussion is whether this kind of incision, they are sort of uh, accidental or if they mean something. Uh, there are some objects which are more, I would say, convincing, like this. Um, here it's called a pebble. Actually, it's a, it's a fossil. It's a small fossil, uh, which is carved with a cross and this looks really like something intentional and symmetrical. I'm not sure we can uh, prove any kind of aesthetical sense in the Neanderthals with this kind of object, but certainly an attraction for uh, symmetry. And this aspect of uh, being, att being attracted by symmetry is something that has been commented a lot about Neanderthals, mostly because they produced artifacts like this one, which uh, required a lot of skill to, uh, to be made so symmetrical. And uh, as a matter of fact, we are not quite sure that this would really uh, change very much their efficiency as tools for uh, butchering, for example. But uh, we do have 
uh, end axes like this one, which are almost perfectly symmetrical. Experts in uh, flint, flint uh, snapping say that it's, it's quite difficult to produce this kind of object. It's a, it's a big investment. It's not easy. Um, and certainly, it, it means something. Um, just to remind you what Jean-Pierre Changeux was saying, symmetry or the attraction for symmetry and aesthetics are two different things. And actually, they are embedded in different parts of our brain. And I must say, with the Neanderthals, probably what we have is a meeting between this attraction for symmetry and a very high level of technical skill. But can we call that aesthetic? I'm not quite sure about that. Um, and again, aesthetics, maybe we should not be too impressed with that because we know that we are programmed to mate with symmetrical objects and not, ju not just us, but many vertebrates are attracted by symmetry. It's a, it's a part of our uh, genome that controls that. Another thing interesting about these end axes and, uh, is that there is at least one occurrence where we have here on the cortex, cortex of an end axe a little fossil that has been apparently preserved by the, the, the maker of this end axe. It's sort of decoration somehow, but it's not made by humans. It's something which is naturally there. And actually, in the uh, archaeological record, we have some examples where we see that Neanderthals collected strange objects, things with a special color, a special shape, fossils, for example, special minerals. But again, all these objects are not um, handmade. They are just found and collected. This index uh, lead me to discuss uh, a, a second aspect of uh, Neanderthal behavior, is this question of symbolism, which is a different issue than aesthetic or symmetry. And uh, we certainly have uh, Neanderthal burials. Uh, there are some which are known in, the, uh, in Western Europe, in the Near East, also in, uh, in Eastern Europe. Um, however, these burials, uh, which seems to, be, to have some kind of symbolic um, uh, meaning, are very simple. They are nothing like what we find later with modern humans um, in, the, in the period after 40,000 years in, in Europe or elsewhere in the world. We have burials which are extremely rich in terms of uh, objects, pigments that has been deposited in the burial. We have nothing like that with Neanderthals. We have something which is body-centered. It's just the body which is there. And again, we, we can wonder what's the meaning of, of these kind of, of burials. Interestingly, in this kind of artistic fantasy about uh, Neanderthal uh, burials, you see that the, the artist has uh, drawn a, a sort of club here, buried with the, uh, the, the, the dead uh, person. And um, one of the questions is whether or not we have this kind of objects that has been uh, really deposited in, in uh, Neanderthal burials. And I must say that most of the time, the answer is no. We don't have anything like that. Uh, we just have pits that has been refilled with the sediments uh, which was around. And this sediment is full of artifacts. And it's, it's quite common to find artifacts in the, in the uh, refilling of the pit. There is one exception, 
uh, that has been mentioned by Jean-Pierre, which is quite, I think, uh, interesting, is the, the case with uh, Cima de los Huesos. So Cima de los Huesos, it's a site in uh, North uh, Spain, which is quite old. We are probably around uh, almost half a million years. And it's a, a shaft in the depths of a cave about half a mile from the entrance of the cave. Actually, it's quite difficult to, to get there. And in this shaft, about 30 human bodies apparently were thrown. And there is nothing else in this deposit but uh, these human bodies plus some uh, uh, carnivores that apparently fell there by accident. Uh, the interpretation of the site by the uh, Spanish colleagues is that this is an intentional uh, deposit of dead bodies. They have a, a, a very peculiar demographic profile. And the very intriguing uh, thing about this site is that there is only one stone artifact that has been found in this site. And this object that has been called Excalibur is, a, is again, it's an index, and it's a very beautiful index. It's an index made with a very nice um, material. And we can see probably with this example a case for symbolic uh, behavior uh, in Neanderthal. Now to uh, finish with the uh, different aspects of the uh, possible uh, artistic uh, expression in Neanderthal, there is the, the question of the pigments. We, ha we, have, we do have in some sites uh, pigments uh, which have been found. These pigments are usually black pigments. It's uh, manganese dioxides. Um, and uh, sometimes they are shafted, uh, they are shaped in, a, in like, like pencils or there are blocks like that with some, some lines. The problem with this is, of course, we don't know really what they were doing with that. Uh, some people have imagined that uh, they have been used for, uh, for skin decoration, for skin painting. Uh, so these guys here will pretend to be Neanderthals, but you see right away that they are not, uh, although they are trying to do something funny with their mouths, um, <laughs> have rather uh, sophisticated paintings. Uh, it could be something more simple like that. Uh, again, the question is that we don't know if these pigments were used for uh, uh, body ornaments, and we don't know what kind of uh, uh, um, signification had this behavior if it ever existed. There is a possibility that has been brought by some that the pigments that we find in Neanderthal sites or in uh, sites of other groups of hominins were, uh, were used for some kind of totally utilitarian purpose. And for example, there are experiments showing that mixing pigments with some glue um, uh, helps to stabilize the, the glue for afting some uh, lytics, for example. So, uh, about 40,000 years ago, uh, we have in Europe the emergence of modern humans, humans that look very much like you and I, and uh, they are known by uh, human remains like these ones. Uh, it comes from a site called Pestera Cuoase in Romania. Uh, there are some um, also um, demonstration of this invasion of Europe by modern humans uh, via the archaeological record. And 
these humans for sure are going to uh, express some kind of art and Randy White I'm sure is going to show you uh, a, a number of these uh, examples. What's interesting about this, this uh, process of colonization of Europe by the, the modern humans is that it occurs probably at least uh, 40,000 years ago by a C14 uh, uh, calendar. Uh, it's possible that there are industries which, are, uh, which could have been made by modern humans older in Europe, but we, we, we are not sure because we don't have any... Uh, uh, fossil humans associated with these um, industries. But in a site called Willensdorf in, in uh, Austria, we do have uh, origination assemblages which are close to 39,000 years old by uh, C14 uh, dates. And we are pretty sure that the origination was made by modern humans. Interestingly, at the time when this origination developed in uh, Central and Eastern Europe and later in uh, Western Europe, we, we do have other lithic assemblages. And at least in one case, maybe two cases, we know that some of these assemblages that were produced at the time of the development of the origination in Europe were made by Neanderthals by the last Neanderthals. And we have, with the, uh, uh, one of these assemblages called the Chateaubriand, Neanderthal remains found in at least two different sites in France. The interesting thing about these uh, last Neanderthals that were contemporary with the um, first modern humans in Europe is that, first of all, we have uh, overlap in time, which might be of several millennia, and second, that they apparently produced body ornaments like the one that the modern humans were uh, making and, and carrying. Uh, there was a lot of discussions about the body ornaments found in uh, one of the two sites I've mentioned, Arcis-sur-Cure. Um, um, uh, there was different hypotheses. First of all, the, the possibility that it was a contamination of these layers. But... I would say most people today think that they were, they, they were made by Neanderthals. Uh, they were not just trade or found. Uh, and, uh, of course, the, 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 I would say the most likely uh, interpretation of these um, objects is that they were the result of some kind of acculturation of the Neanderthals by uh, modern humans. Um, again, the question about these objects is, uh, it's, it's interesting because it shows that Neanderthals were probably able to produce this kind of things. It's not so surprising because we know they are very crafty at making objects. But now the question is, first of all, can we call this art? It may look aesthetic to us. I'm not sure it's aesthetic for uh, Neanderthal. Um, and more importantly, the question is, what the significance of this, of this kind of object? If we look on the side of the modern humans, on the side of the invaders, we know that uh, a long time before they moved into Europe, they were starting to use uh, objects like shells, likely to do body ornaments. And these shells uh, have been first described in a site of uh, South Africa called Blombos, but to, now we have the same kind of things in North Africa. In two months from now, I'm going to be working 
in, uh, in, on the field on a site where we have exactly the same kind of Nasarius dated around 80,000 years ago. And there is in the Journal of Human Evolution a new paper that has been published a week ago about other shells like that found in a site 90,000 years ago in Israel. So there was something going on uh, with the modern humans and the body ornaments. And I think, and I want to, to finish on that, that these objects are probably more, again, to put on the side, uh, on the side of the, of the uh, uh, capacities for symbolism in this population more than on the side of aesthetic. Uh, in most of the uh, groups of recent hunter-gatherers where we know these kind of body ornaments made of uh, teeth or, or shells, we know that these objects have uh, mostly a role for marking the uh, status of individuals within a group or to identify different groups. And uh, I think this was the main function of, of this in the, in the Paleolithic time also. Uh, clearly, modern humans from the upper Paleolithic had these objects. Uh, it's possible that these objects had the same function in the Neanderthals, but we are not quite sure. In any case, and I want to finish with that, we don't have any example of what we call art in the Neanderthals. Uh, just to show you that I'm not such a, a bad guy, uh, I want to, to, I'm not trying to uh, dig a, a, a ditch between Neanderthals and us. And in fact, I, I'm for incorporating even much more hominins and non-hominins into uh, our uh, human family. I, I, I offer you this picture of Mikael um, Goria, who lived not far from here uh, some years ago near uh, Stanford. Uh, it's a Goria who learned uh, sign language and was a, a, a good painter. And he was able to make a pretty decent portrait of uh, his dog, uh, April. Thank you. <laughs>